This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. This is the American Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the American Toffee podcast after a little bit of time off for both of us, myself, James, and my co-host, Alex, joining me as always. Salutations, everybody. Since we are joining after a little bit of a break with Everton not playing last weekend, first things first, if you haven't already, go listen to my interview with Tony Sampson of the Chicago Toffees and be sure to go vote for him in the vote for the EFC fans forum. You can learn more about it in my discussion with him in more depth. But definitely go vote for him. He's a great guy. And be sure to cast your vote because you can have a voice and your voice matters, even in things like the running of a football club, believe it or not. With that said, for today's episode, we are going to briefly touch on a couple of news bits that came out this week. And then we have Mike from the Mostly Soccer Podcast, our resident favorite Arsenal fan, on to preview the match on Sunday at the Emirates. So to get things started, first bit of news today And it actually came out earlier this week, uh, maybe even late last week, but very interesting from a business perspective, Everton electing to end their partnership, sponsorship partnership on the kits with Sportpesa early. I believe the deal was supposed to run for at least a couple more years. We've decided to scrap that deal. And so, Alex, I guess, what are your initial thoughts about losing Sportpesa? Are you going to lose sleep? Are you crying yourself to sleep every night? How upset are you about it? Okay, so just for clarification, it's scrapped at the end of the season. Correct. Yes. As as opposed to right now, I only <laughs> say that because we did have right. Well, we did have EITC on the front of the kitchen last yeah. um, last match, which was kind of weird. So just for clarification purposes, um, and interesting timing on that, by the way. So I'm fine with it. I'm completely fine with it. Actually, Sport Pays has had uh, some really bad bad press, like making it w- making its way obviously all the way into um, Everton Twitter based on different countries that are kind of um, essentially stripping like their business license and stuff, you know, the, the, uh, different officials uh, higher up in the Premier League or the FA have been talking about banning betting companies, um, partnerships with, you know, clubs. So I think that it's a safe bet and it makes sense uh, looking forward. <laughs> oh, God, I didn't catch that. <laughs> and furthermore, I have two other uh, quick thoughts and and – the first one is simply the fact that I think um, I think that with Carlo Ancelotti, I think that our marketing stock has risen significantly, and I think that we could definitely cut a better deal financially now than we could have if we, or you know, now than if we were to have, you know, if we stuck with them. Furthermore, um, I've seen you know some people saying like, why don't we just give it to Everton in the community and something, and and my my comment to that thought process is while obviously I love it um the club could do more for Everton in the community by by selling that spot to a company and bringing in millions in revenue uh then they could putting it on the kit not making any money and then hoping that that spurs more donations than you know Everton in the community would have otherwise so you know those are kind of my thoughts on the sp- the major kit sponsorship in general and sport pays a leaving. I think it's only going to be a positive 
And so I think that it's, it's a good decision. And, and, you know, the CEO actually hinted, well, actually said that this has been kind of a thought for quite a while now. So I think that it's just, it's time to go and, and maybe we'll get a, a sponsor as cool as Chang next time. Yeah, the Chang is a good show. Bring back Chang. Hashtag bring back Chang. We want Chang back. But but realistically, you bring up a lot of good points. Um, the concerns with SportPesa from a business business ethics standpoint are entirely valid. Not only are they a betting company, which you can have moral objections to at face value just from that, but in addition to that, they, as far as betting companies go, they don't really appear to be both the most well-run or most ethical as as far as betting companies go, which is, again, saying something pretty significant. So I think it's probably in our best interest to distance ourselves from a brand like that. Although they did afford us interesting opportunities to expand the brand into Africa, which, of course, has a lot of emerging markets and you know things of that nature. So from a, a growth standpoint worldwide, it may have had some long-term benefit. But I think... What was interesting about the statement the club put out was that there was a specific mention, you know, the part of the reasoning for it was so that the club could explore the new opportunities that are now available to them. And I think, A, does this mean Moshiri is going to slap that USM logo right on the front of the Everton kit, which I'm all in favor for. Um, but, but presumably there will be other businesses lining up. And I believe the sport pays a deal was around seven million a season, which is pennies compared to what some of the bigger more global brands reach. I mean, we're talking hundreds of millions, absolutely massive deals being, you know, the likes of Manchester United just get absolutely ridiculous amount of money. And it's an important source of revenue for those clubs. And I think it's important that Everton start to shift towards looking at it in that same way where we're trying to to generate as much revenue as possible. That said, I think there's another major consideration that needs to come into play. And this is just me as a fan, as a personal anecdote, I guess. I just want the front of the, the the logo on the front of the kit to look either unimposing in that it doesn't really stick out too much. There's there's a couple examples. I think, frankly, as much as I hate to say it, the standard chartered logo on the front of the Liverpool kits, it's subtle. Um, it's not even really clear exactly what the company is, um, but it doesn't really like take away from the rest of the kit and it doesn't necessarily even add anything to it, but it's not distracting in any way. It's pretty subtle. I think the aesthetics of the, of the logo are important. Like you said, the Chang logo, absolutely beautiful, but I don't know if they've got the, the money in the accounts to fund any kind of like resurgence on the front of the Everton jersey. But as a fan, if I'm going to rep the kit and I've been a crusader against the Angry Birds sleeve sponsorship because I just absolutely despise the aesthetics of it. But I do hope that they go with maybe a, a more reputable company, a strong brand, and something that looks either really nice and pleasing and is, is an attractive logo or something that's very subtle and can let the rest of the kit kind of speak for itself. That's that's sort of my thoughts on it. But good riddance to sport pays it as far as I'm concerned. Well, for all the Angry Bird Crusaders, as you like to call yourself, <laughs> um, good news. To my knowledge, I'm pretty sure this is correct. Um, but if if it's not, you'll never know. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the Angry Bird sponsorship on the sleeve ends at the end of this season. So that is also something to look forward to because not only, uh, I know it was mentioned maybe by the CEO that they felt like that the, or maybe it was the, our friends at the athletic Patty and, and Greg, but it was mentioned that, that the club and Angry Birds felt that the, the deal so far, the partnership so far has worked out really well for both parties. Uh, that doesn't mean that we won't explore new, new, you know, sponsorships, maybe bigger packages and that sort of thing. So 
that could also be changing at the end of the, end of the season. Which is fine by me again. Like I, I just, I don't like the Angry Birds logo. The sport pay, the sport pays the logo is fine. It's the logo itself is whatever. It's again, it, the, the questions that it, that it brings to mind are just the, the ethics of having a betting company. And then the company itself, again, not a big fan, but there's a, there's so many other clubs that have gambling sponsorships. I would like to see that eradicated on a league wide level and even like an FA wide level, just because I don't think it's super ethical to promote that sort of. It's an addicting habit and it's really puts people in a lot of trouble financially. So um, I know it's really popular in England and actually the sports betting market in America in particular is really kind of poised to start to take off because it's finally becoming legal. But it's not really one of my vices. It's not something that I ever, ever really even like going to the casino. Again, we're getting kind of off track here, but even going to the casino, it's not something that interests me. So I just hope we get ultimately the most important thing is we get the most money but the secondary concerns for me as a fan are just, I want to look cool wearing the kit. So that's a little bit selfish of me, but so what? I'm a consumer and I, I demand that my needs be met. You always look cool. <laughs> Thank you. Not that I've ever seen you. Anyway. Soon. <laughs> Very soon. But let's move on to the second news bit of the day, and this is stadium related, which is, of course, very exciting. Alex and I will be making our voyage a week from Today, actually, a Wednesday, we're recording this. And so this time next week, we will be departing. I will be on a plane, as will you, to Dublin, where we will meet in person for the first time at 5 a.m. in the Dublin airport. I will be extremely groggy, probably going to need to get a cup of coffee before I actually talk to you, Alex. But the the news of the day that we're actually going to discuss is that the firm Lang O'Rourke has won their bid to build the future home of Everton Football Club, Bramley Moore Dock Stadium. And that is very exciting news. It's just further cementing the fact that this is real. This is actually happening. We will have a new stadium. And they actually released tentative um, weekly estimates for how long each part of the stadium will take. It's going to be a long haul, no doubt about it. But it's it's just exciting to see like the details start to come into play and start start to be finalized and fleshed out by the club. And I think the naysayers who are the eternal pessimistic Evertonians who said, this is going to fall through, this is going to fall through. They're having less and less grand to, ground to stand on, and I think it's it's just a very exciting time for the club, for sure. It's extremely exciting. Now, I to speak on the brand itself, uh, I understand that they're a pretty highly thought of brand in, I want to say, London. And so maybe I would say in England, they're obviously far more well-known, but based on our online our internet buddies over across the seas. Um, but based on what we understand, it seems to be a, a pretty decent company with with a good brand and, and hopefully it works out well. And again, as you said, hopefully we continue to develop the project even further and really get to essentially get to the point in which we're ready to break ground and start working. Yeah, and can't wait to to for our first maiden voyage over to the new stadium in several years. It's going to be a very exciting time, but um, I think that'll probably do it for our first segment. And please join us after the break as we're joined by Mike from Mostly Soccer to preview the match at the weekend against Arsenal. Right, folks, let's hop into our Everton versus Arsenal preview segment. 
we are joined by our esteemed guest, Mike, from Mostly Soccer Podcast. Mike, thank you so much for joining us once again, as always. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here, as always. We needed the expertise. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you're going to get expertise from me, but you'll get some thoughts. <laughs> They're usually at least funny thoughts, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Arsenal are 10th in the Premier League table with 34 points, whereas Everton are 9th with 36 points. With that, same amount of games played, 26 matches, and Arsenal's form in the last five would be four draws, and then they capped it off with a win not too long ago against Newcastle United. Average possession of the season is about 54%, but they average 1.38 goals scored per match, whereas Everton is at 1.31. Average goals conceded is 1.16 per match, whereas Everton is at 1.46. The last match was a nil-nil draw in December. That was indeed Duncan Ferguson's last match in charge for Everton before Carlo Ancelotti was announced, and it was a pretty ugly match of football, to say the least. So let's kick things off, Mike. How how have things gone ever since Mikel Arteta uh, took over the reins at Arsenal? I know maybe it wasn't the immediate new manager bounce that the fans were desperate for, but he seems to have kind of steadied things and maybe started started to put things in the right direction, no? Yeah, I mean, Arsenal's been going as steady as can be. I mean, as you pointed out in the form, uh, we draw basically every single game we play. We finally got a win against Newcastle over the weekend, which was fantastic. Only our seventh of the season, which is pretty crazy at this point. Um, just kind of a testament to how much of an odd season this has been for Arsenal and really every other kind of like mid to top table team like Everton, Wolves. I mean, even Chelsea and Spurs and United, just like weird seasons for everyone. We're all kind of level on points, like a few off each other. But anyways, uh, Arteta, since he's come in, I think has done a great job feeling out this team. and. I'm expecting it to be a fun game, unlike the last time Arsenal and Everton played the nil-nil draw, which was uh, the first time we got to see Arteta and Ancelotti sitting in the stands for these two teams. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now we finally get to see the showdown that we were hoping for when we last podcasted together. So I'm expecting a fun match, at least. I think it's it's poised to be a really interesting match. I think both teams have clearly started to trend in the right direction. Like you said, Mike, mid-table is a just chaos right now. I mean, it, especially with the news coming out w- regarding Man City and the Champions League ban, and there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding that. So who knows like what positions are even going to end up ultimately qualifying for Europe. So I think there's a lot of potential for every team that's in this kind of cluster mid-table to really have incentive for something to play for. You know, it, in most years, it's kind of like if you're in mid-table, it's almost, and, and we're accustomed to this as Everton fans, it might be kind of new for you as an Arsenal fan. But to to usually if you're mid table around mid you know second third third towards the middle end of the season you're um not really playing for anything you're just you're not going to get relegated you're not going to get Europe but now it's so tight in mid table like even if you're in 10th 11th 12th if you go on the right run of run of games and you get some wins and pick up points quickly i mean anything could really happen and when in a year where Sheffield United is currently uh basically a lock for Europe I mean, what what else more is there to say? It's going to be a wild, wild end to the season. And I think both both Everton and Arsenal are in a great position to, to push for Europe in whatever capacity that is, whether it's Europa League or maybe even Champions League. Yeah, we're in great position for both Champions League qualification and relegation. It's a, It's been that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what? It's also This is also a point in time in which both clubs have to prove in the next handful of matches, like that recent, that soon, the next handcuff handful of matches 
to show like, can we actually push for Europe or not? Like, because I think that once you start getting to the, towards the end of the season, I mean, we have what, like 12 matches left. And so once you, you know, take your opportunity or don't take your opportunity in the next three, four matches, I think that's a really good indicator uh, for the rest of the season too. Yeah. And I mean, this game is a big opportunity for both Arsenal and Everton to, you know, get three points and put their right foot in front. I am afraid this one's going to be a draw though. Um, a preview to my prediction here that I'm, I'm scared that we're both going to take one point from this and it's not really going to do any good for us, uh, getting to the, uh, European places, but you never know. I think a stalemate is, is kind of, it's not unreasonable, but obviously both teams very close on points. Um, Mike, take us through a little bit of, you know, what, what has Mikel Arteta done differently than his predecessors as far as, you know, whether it be tactically or even just certain personnel that he might be utilizing differently than, than the previous regimes? Can you, is there anything like tangible that you've noticed that, that sticks out immediately if you're watching Arsenal week in, week out? Yeah, the the main thing that you'll notice that Arteta has done is given these players confidence, which they had zero of before. Uh, the Arsenal team under Emery was completely dead. They had no will to play for anything, no passion or desire. And I think Arteta has done a great job inspiring these players. And the biggest tangible difference that we can all see, um, I'm sure the stats would probably reflect this since he's arrived, the defense has gotten 10 times better. I mean, it's still yeah. very bad. But it's it's much, much better. Like Mustafi has been a good player, which is crazy for me to say, because even now I wouldn't be sad if I never saw Mustafi play for Arsenal again. But over the past few weeks, he has been uh, one of the better players in the Arsenal team, which is kind of crazy. And another thing Arteta has done is, like I said, he's woken up the players. And that means we have a midfield again. Granted, Jaka is back to being what we hoped Granit Jaka would be, which is just a strong, smart midfielder who can pass pretty much anywhere on the field and win the ball. Uh, Lucas Torreya, if he's back healthy, has been exceptional, like he was when he first signed for Arsenal. Uh, and, I mean, the youngster, Saka, is a revelation. Saka literally might go on to be one of the best young, I mean, best English players. I'm thinking he's Jaden Sancho level at this point. Ooh, I'm hot take. He could okay. get it. it is. It is. Um, and that is me being a homer 100%. But if you watch Saka, he is just special. And same thing with Martinelli. I think Saka is a little bit ahead of Martinelli's point, but uh, a lot of young, special talent there. Well, last time you were on, you mentioned Martinelli and how important he had been to Arsenal's season thus far. And and it's interesting that you mentioned Jaka there because he has definitely had his struggles this season with uh, playing in any kind of competent way, but also like getting on the right side with the fans, being the team captain. Yeah. Uh, the the debacle where he was booed off the pitch was obviously like the the culmination of that. So it's it's at least nice to see him return to some sort of form where you never want to see a team captain getting booed off. That's just a bad look, regardless of who you root for or whatever. You you don't really want to see those types of things. What about uh, Nicola Pepe? Obviously, the biggest signing of the summer, eighty million odd pounds. Um, to really kind of struggle to adapt, which so many players do, especially coming from the French league. How has, has Arteta really kind of helped him get into the team, kind of find his rhythm at all? Yeah, Pepe has been in and out of the team, but only because Martinelli has been so exceptional. Last Over the last two weeks, I believe Pepe has started. I know last week he started, and he put in almost an end-of-the-match performance only behind Saka. Uh, he scored a goal, and he basically assisted too. I think the second one was not given to him, but uh, he was great. 
Pepe is going to be a great player in the Premier League. I truly believe. And I think he's going to start against Everton for sure, just because of how great he was last game. Uh, I think the player that we need to talk about more so than Pepe, though, is Lacazette, because mm. I'm I'm not concerned that he's going to start. Um, I almost want Eddie Nketiah to start over him, another amazing young talent that Arsenal have right now. But Lacazette got his goal towards the end of last game, so I'm hoping that he'll be able to carry that into the game against Everton. But Lacazette is so up and down this year. He's been in an insane slump up until uh, this weekend, actually, where he scored for the first time, I think, in like three or four months. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see, but I think we're going to see the big front three of Aubameyang on the left, Laka in the middle, and Pepe out on the right. That is a super nice sounding front three. It really is. Most of the time it sounds better than it functions. But we're hoping <laughs> I mean, that it, it gets sense, right? functional at some point. If there's one thing we can empathize with, Mike, it's it's no it's seeing a team on paper and thinking, wow, that team's incredible. <laughs> and then on the pitch, it's just not working at all. Like yeah. That's, that's Everton to a T the last three years. Yep, I hear you. So so does that mean that you you expect Arsenal to line up in a in a four three three? Uh what it looks like most of the time is there'll be if it's going to be Lacazette, Lacazette will play up top kind of as the, the central striker. Uh, and then not far behind him will be Aubameyang to the left, Pepe to the right, and probably Ozil right up the middle. Then we'll have the two center defensive midfields, uh, Jaka and either Torreira. Or Danny Ceballos started last game, which I thought I was odd because Danny Ceballos hurt just out of the team. But mm. uh, I guess Torreira struggling with some injury. So it's going to be probably one of those two or Guendouzi and then the back four. And yeah. um, big, big piece for Arsenal, aside from Saka on the left, which they do everything through the left lately because Saka has been so incredible, is Hector Bellerin is back on the right side of the field, which I also think is a big boost for Arsenal since the last time we played you guys. Yeah, that is actually a really good point as well. So James, let's talk about how we expect Everton to line up um, from a formation perspective first. Do we think that they're going to start with a flat 4-4-2 in possession like we've been seeing every single match since Ancelotti took charge? Yeah, I think that goes without saying. It was announced, Marcel Brands, I think, announced specifically at the AGM that the club's recruiting strategy had shifted from trying to recruit for Marco Silva's. We never really saw it, but he had always kind of announced that he wanted to end up eventually playing a 4-3-3. Ancelotti has come in and stated that he he wants the 4-4-2 long term at least again that is kind of out of possession on defense because structurally it just makes a lot more sense so so in possession i do expect to kind of see the 442 as far as like the back line goes um luca dean nailed on i would really like to see mason holgate return back to the side i know michael keen got the start last game but i'd love love to see yeri mina and mason holgate together and then i think Seamus coleman it's it's getting kind of tough to pick on that right hand side but it seems like Ancelotti maybe prefers Coleman in situations where he, he expects us to be a, a bit more defensive. And I do expect, obviously, us going away to at least want to be a bit more balanced and not so attack heavy. And I think Coleman probably fits the bill a little bit better in this scenario. So that's what I'm kind of expecting for the back line. Alex, do you see anything dramatically different in the back line? And then kind of what are you expecting for the midfield as well? I agree with your back line completely. And, and I liked your point about Sheamus versus Jibril Sidibe because I agree, right? Sidibe's strength is is on offense and connecting um, with, I guess, you know, Theo and, and Dom and them up front. And so with it being a more defensive match and 
especially how sometimes we kind of fall into like a five man back. Uh, you know, I, I think that Sheamus makes the most sense on the right hand side in terms of midfield. So here's the exciting news. Uh, Andre Gomez played a 60 minute uh, behind closed doors match uh, that was composed of first team and U23 players. Apparently he was all good. Um, there was actually a video on the Everton website if you haven't seen it. So that's exciting. And Ancelotti then came out and said after asked by the press that he feels, in his opinion, Andre Gomez is ready and he prefers to bring back players from long, longer term injuries on a start as opposed to off the bench because he feels that they can prepare better. So he said he's going to still talk to Andre and see how he, he feels about it. But that means that Andre Gomez could be uh, in contention for starting or being at least involved in the Arsenal match. Do I think it's very likely? I don't think so. But you never know, and that's pretty exciting. So I'm going to try to go with a slightly more realistic midfield. And I'm honestly going to say I might go with, with Schneiderlin and Gilfie. And I say that because I think Schneiderlin does a really good job, honestly, in Ancelotti's system. I think we've seen uh, the last match, we saw him really excel. And, and I think that, that sitting kind of sitting back and just doing exactly what he does best um, makes the most sense. And then with Gilfie, I mean, yes, he has been largely uninvolved all season, although he's played uh, most of the minutes. But at the same time, we also do know that Gilfie Sigurdsson can pop up at any second and create or score a goal out of nothing. And I think that that's kind of important, especially if we're going away uh, to the Emirates, in which we know that Arsenal has had the uh, bulk of possession. So I think it's going to be the center of the pitch, those two. And and out wide, honestly, I think it still has to be Bernard and Theo Walcott. I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. I think that that's that's a solid choice. I don't know. Was there an update on Fabian Delph? Is he is he fit to play? Uh that's that's what I'm. I wasn't sure of. Okay, so I mean, if he's fit, then then I I would prefer him over Schneiderlin. I do think again, Gilfie gets the nod. I, do, I Ancelotti will talk up Andre Gomez. I think that's probably more a kind of backing the player, giving him that little boost of confidence in public to the press. I, I don't think that he it's going it, to those types of injuries are just so mentally damaging as much as they are physically, especially when you're in a, a high contact sport. You know, people call soccer not a contact sport, but at a professional level, like the level of impact that that those players go through is can be substantial. And you just kind of fear for a player like Andre Gomez, who has struggled you know, with mental issues before at Barcelona, Barcelona, not to say he's mentally weak or anything remotely like that. But I just think the nature of the injury, I don't want to rush him back and have any kind of major setbacks. Also, selfishly, obviously, Alex and I are headed over in a week. It would be incredible for his first match back to be our first game at Goodison, just the to see the reception that he gets would be jaw dropping. But no, uh, sorry for that little tangent. I do think you're probably correct, Alex. It will probably be Schneiderlin. And Gilfie wouldn't be surprised to see Tom Davis. And then again, Bernard on the outside, I agree. And Theo Walcott, who another another player like Schneiderlin, who's been <laughs> talked very poorly about, but seems to have kind of found his way under Ancelotti and understands his directions much more clearly now. Um, and then up front, Alex, I think this is pretty straightforward. Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison all day long for me. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're and, and I don't say this tongue in cheek, they're one of the... Uh, most informed strike partnerships in Europe currently, period. And so I think that it's imperative that both of them are on the pitch. And I think it's imperative they're both playing in roles that they excel at, which would be a two-striker system for sure. So with that, right, we know that Arsenal are going to have the majority of possession. Based on that front three you were talking about, Mike, 
it sounds like Everton are going to have to be focused at all times, which we know is is a problem sometimes. But at the same time, I think that both teams are, are coming into this match feeling pretty confident because both teams are are coming off of a, a win in the last match, obviously Arsenal uh, more recently than Everton. And so I think it's all to play for and it's going to be super exciting. So with that said, I know, Mike, you already uh, you already prefaced yours a little bit, but as the guest, we'd like you to go first. What is your score prediction for Sunday's match, Everton, at the Emirates against Arsenal? Oh, I, I know I prefaced it. And before I get to that, I just want to say I'm I'm so excited for you guys to be going to Goodison Park. That's going to be incredible. And uh, I look forward to seeing all your pictures and whatnot from that. So that's going to yes, be awesome. Thank you, man. And, Appreciate it. Yeah. And so for a prediction, I know I prefaced the draw, but I will never pick a draw because I don't want to see it. <laughs> there um, you go. I will say 2-1 to the Arsenal. I think Everton are going to score. Probably will score first. So I feel that sting of depression. But then I'm hoping that <laughs> Pepe gets one and Aubameyang gets one and Arsenal take a victory. I'm sorry, boys. You'd honestly be a really bad fan if you didn't call for a win, so it's good. <laughs> so, and, and honestly, actually, I, I think I, I kind of follow your logic, and I agree. Those are both dangerous players and probably highly likely to score if anyone. So, James, how are you going to respond? Fight him. I, I do want to fight Mike. I want to fight him real bad. No, but I, I mean, he, you're right, Alex. You can't come into enemy territory and then, you know, wishwash and pick a draw. I think the the, the win is, is a bold choice, but... I like it. Arsenal at home. I mean, it's it's a good choice, but I'm going to disagree, especially the point of, of Everton scoring first and then losing the lead. I think I don't want to jinx it because if I say that we won't, it's almost certain that we will. But Ancelotti, one thing that he has brought to Everton since arriving, and I think maybe arguably the biggest thing he's brought has been intelligence with the substitutions and the game management. Because he's made really smart tactical substitutions at key moments in the game that change the dynamics of the match in ways that are favorable for us. And we haven't really slipped. Knock on wood again. I'm I'm setting myself up for just the worst post-match ever because I'm just saying all this stuff. But he does do a really good job of, of maintaining leads and keeping things, you know, Barring the Newcastle match, which we won't talk about. I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to say you, it. But I you were thinking it. And, I was on mute. <laughs> but, but, and rightfully so. But and that was a complete freak accident, in, in my opinion. Um, but overall, I think if we can get out to a lead, then we will maintain that lead and perhaps pick up all three points away. I think that Arsenal will score first in this match. And I'm going to, I am going to be a little wishy washy here. And I'm going to go with a draw because I, I don't want to predict a loss. And I do have to be the negative one because I guess that's just my my role on this podcast. But I'm going to go with a two-all draw. A little bit of exciting scoring. I think Arsenal will score first. We'll equalize. Arsenal will go ahead again. And then we will equalize again in late on to snatch a point, which I think any Everton fan will be happy with points against Arsenal away, even though, you know, the relative position of Arsenal this year hasn't been all that great. So two-all. Um and we'll both move forward and hopefully push for Europe. And with that, I'll throw it over to Alex for his inevitable prediction of a win. You said inevitable, so now I have to give it to you, although I was going to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> give the people what they want. That's all they want. So I'm actually going to shake things up a bit, and I'm going to call it a 1-0 win to Everton at the Emirates. And I only say that because I'm full of shit. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I only say that because it's a feeling that I have. I, I think that's a stupid feeling, Alex. 
I, I genuinely hope that we see more than one goal in this game. I, I mean, even if it's Everton scoring three, I just want to see what both teams are capable of. They both need a win. I'm hoping that it doesn't end in a draw. I know it's going to. I absolutely know it's going to. But let's just I, hope it doesn't. I think one thing all three of us can agree on is that it's going to be a really scrappy match, just like last time. And with everything to play for between both teams, I think that it's going to be even more intense. So if nothing else, I think that we're going to be pleasantly surprised by the amount of effort that the players put in on both sides of the pitch and, and the commitment. Yep, I agree with Absolutely that. Absolutely agree. Absolutely. Well, Mike, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, guys, always a pleasure. And uh, let's, again, hope for a great game. It's not at 7.30 a.m., so we're already off to a good start. <laughs> Amen to that. That is very true. Would you like to tell the people where they can find you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find us at Soccer Mostly on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, you know, if you want some Arsenal content or some general soccer content, uh, come give us a follow and uh, we'd be happy to have you. Fantastic. And all of you, by the way, can find those links in the description. So we'll have their socials and that sort of thing. Look out for our match review on the weekend and up the toffee. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg slash ATP and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.